you, you of all people should know, Jim, that we can't have good, funny conversations if we're not being recorded. Exactly. It's true. <sighs> so you were saying, Jim, how was your vacation? It was good. It was. A, this it was, was a vacation, good. vacation too. It was, and really, it wasn't. Ex- it wasn't. Uh, let's go visit family. Um, no, that is vacation. that is most of our. I uh, I don't think I've done like a full like. I mean, this Sarah is just and I have done like Sarah. three or four days, yeah. like a couple times in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I think it might have been like two years since we've had like a. We're gonna take a week off. Yeah, and just go do something fun. Was it fun? It was. Yeah, she got to do her thing. Yeah. Just you know, visit some food places. That's what mm-hmm. I call them, food places. Other people call them restaurants. Right. You right. took some pictures, you get some good pictures. Yeah. I mean, I got um, I'm not a landscape photographer, and that's part of the reason that I enjoy this is because it's it's a nice place to like stretch myself and but I think I got a couple of good ones. So uh <laughs> the Olympic uh, Peninsula, that's where we were. I'm sure some of them will turn out, Ansel Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I was gonna bring you back something. Oh, right. And then I couldn't find anything. Right. So then I was going to fill a Ziploc bag with a little bit of water <laughs> and tell you that I brought you ice from our hotel. <laughs> and then I forgot to do that. That would be really funny. <laughs> would have been so good, listeners. But it's not like, I mean, I could just tell you that that's what I brought. Yeah. Because they can't see. Right. Yeah. We there's can, nothing wrong with lying if it's on the radio. We can do a little theater of the mind. Exactly. And just fake it. Yep. Well, that wonderful tradition will continue, David, because when I come back from my thing, Mm-hmm. I'm going to have more gifts for you. I'm going home to Wisconsin here shortly. Oh, are you? And I'm going to do another thing, which is why you're doing the uh, editing this week. Oh, I Remember? forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to mention that to you today just to make sure you knew. Because, <laughs> you know, come Friday, you're going to say, say, Jim, where's the episode? And I'm gonna, I can't help you, buddy. Right. No, that's a good point. <laughs> Get to work. Can you send me the files? You can, ha- you can keep them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that seems easier. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we have a thing. Yeah. You want to do our thing? I do want to do our thing. So, Jim. Yeah. We're going to start with an intro. Hold on. <laughs> before we get to our the, intro, before the, we get to our show. The sigh you just did is a precursor to the amount of enthusiasm. And you're yawning right now. The amount of enthusiasm you have for this next segment. I'm only I yawning think- because of Morgan Freeman. Okay. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Why? Oh, he says that uh, for your voice, you should yawn. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Okay, which no. is actually why I yawn so much on this show because like I'll do it when you're talking for a, like what's what's clearly going to be a length <laughs> but of time only when I'm talking. Well, I don't want to do it when I'm talking. Oh, sure. And we don't have a lot of silences. True. Okay. Anyway, but then like yawning leads to more yawning. Okay. Ah, right. And, yawning and so then I end up yawning when I'm talking. Bad shows beget more bad shows. So you are uh, you're going to do an intro for us. You're in charge. Uh, really, you're in charge of the intro. So right. I'm going to participate as well. Right. It's a yes. it's a group effort yeah. uh, led by me. Yeah. Uh, and when we're done, you will be very proud. Okay. Of me. Okay. So what are we doing, David? This is in our show notes. It is called the uh, David and Jim friendly voice debate. <coughs> okay. Well, to explain the nature of the 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 this very strange thing we're about to do. So I mean, this is <laughs> this the, folks. What you're about to hear is like par for the core. Par, par, sorry par for the course for this show. Longtime listeners will hear this and they'll go, oh, this is normal. People who just listen to this for the first time are going to have no clue. Oh, yeah. It's how we, why <laughs> we do this. This is this is the, the oddest thing I've ever heard of, but yet I'm comfortable. <laughs> it's how we lose 80% of first time listeners. <laughs> Something that no other show does like we do. 
Lots, lots of people try the show because of the funny advertising and then they yes. listen to an episode and they're like, I don't know what that was. It's like reading an N.T. Wright book. Oh, I asked the same questions. Yeah. It's like an N.T. Wright book. So we're going to have uh, uh, a David and Jim friendly voice debate. Now, yes, what can, I, can I finally explain that? I'm going to. I'm going to. OK, you're going to ask me again. Go ahead. <laughs> Forget it. Okay, go ahead. So my wife has made me aware of this thing that I do. And I think a lot of people do this. Like, have you heard of phone voice? Yeah, I have a phone voice. Okay. Uh, I not only have a phone voice, I specifically have a on the phone with tech support voice. Yeah, a, t- a specific type of phone voice. Exactly. Like yeah. if I am talking either to tech support or for yeah. a time I was tech support. Right. And I think so that's you, where I learned this voice. So you've voice. done this professionally. I, I have not, I haven't called tech support professionally. That would be weird. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, you have I guess been, that you would have be been bad. The, you have been the tech support. I have. Yeah. The, yeah. the phone tech support as a smattering ever, of time. You would never call tech support. I, I mean, if I need warranty it. services, oh. I, I do. Um, okay. <laughs> what are you doing? You're looking up. Did you hear a trumpet or something? What are you doing? I'm sorry. What I had to sneeze. The, okay. <laughs> you just did the weirdest thing. Well, normally I look up because there's a light source up there, but there was none. And then you hey. said, what are you doing? You're looking up. And I was like, oh yeah, there's no light source. So then I looked at that light. As, okay. And the, and I couldn't speak because I was trying to sneeze. My allergies have been the second lately. coming for Presbyterians. I thought that was happening or something. Like you were seeing a light and I wasn't because, you know, <laughs> okay. Well, um, well thank goodness. So I have I have phone tech support voice. It's yeah. just a very very friendly voice mm-hmm. that sounds polite and like all is right with the world. Yeah. Um. And so I had this idea. Uh. Sarah was making fun of me for this voice. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh. And so I had this idea after she did that, where I was like, "What if I would like first does, of all does this come out in conversation or when you talk on the phone? Only when I talk on the phone and only with like tech support people. Okay. Because you have a very specific." rhythm and cadence to your to your voice it doesn't sound anything like what you're about to do right that's because of matt chandler sermons um <laughs> you tracking so i thought i hope he's i wonder right what this. it would be like if i talked like this all the time okay and then i thought i wonder if i did that please don't whether people would get upset with me as upset with me when we debate theology <laughs> And then I thought, what if I only did this for debating theology? And then I thought, what if I just did this to debate theology with Jim one time for the show? <laughs> what a great idea. I thought it was an excellent idea. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see if our listeners agree. So you're going to, we're going to, we're going to participate in a debate. And right. You're going to use your. Now, if James White were here. Right. He would say this is not a debate and he would be correct. <laughs> it's really just a fight. <laughs> <laughs> but, but an unorthodox fight. A fight that would be conducted. Well, I'm, with- I'm orthodox in the fight. Okay. You're you represent the unorthodox. Oh, position. would you stop? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, but uh, but but I am not just going to. So you're going to do you. You're going to do friendly tech support you in this theological debate. Yeah, and the rule have. is that I have to use yeah. that voice the whole time. The whole time, and with uh, also with. You know, the words you choose. You are. I have to be are, friendly. I have to pretend that you yeah. are Apple tech support. You're playing a part. Yes. Yeah, I'm not me. I'm me on the phone. Okay, with tech yeah. support. But so, and I also have a job to do. Right. Exactly. So you wanted a challenge on your side. Yeah, I might as well do something. Exactly. So <laughs> I said, what if you were to? You can say whatever you want. You can be as nice as you want, right. but you have to end the things that you say with like mean insults. 
Like well, like I, Luther style yeah. mean insults. Yeah, and that evolved a little bit. I will say. Okay. Uh, I might be mean the whole time. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like I might because I think it's going to be more funny if I like not just end a sentence right in a mean way, but maybe also start it. <laughs> this is kind of like when when Pam got to punch Michael for for uh, dating her mom. I never saw that. Part. Oh. Okay. Well, she got to punch him. Okay, good. I'll catch up with it. You've just been waiting to be mean to me this whole time. That's what I'm <laughs> yes. trying to say. No, no. Got years of pent up aggression. So, so you, you, you're you got part- tips from other people who've wanted yes. to be mean to me telling you what to say. Yes, yes. You've dated my mother and I want to punch you. Is that, did I do that right? <laughs> you can delete that. <laughs> Anyways. So uh, your part is going to, I don't know how easy it's going to be for you to do your part. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it comes really naturally. Really on how mean you are. Yeah. <laughs> but my part I have found is actually, I thought I could easily be mean. Yep. It's not true. It's actually harder. L- listeners it's should really know, hard. we tried to do this and it didn't go, <laughs> I thought there was some good content in it, but overall it did not go well. Yeah. This is our second attempt to do this uh, debate. I, I forgot we were doing it the first time. So I was woefully right. unprepared. So I put some work into it this time. I'm more prepared. And I will say this. 95% of the prep work I did for our little intro debate uh, was spent on trying to get the best insults. <laughs> no, that makes sense. And about 5% was spent um, actually uh, strengthening my arguments. <laughs> did you use the Lutheran uh, insult generator? No, no, I, I considered it, but mm-hmm. I went another route. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, You are the mouse dropping in the pepper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he said that to uh, Zwingli, I believe, uh, during their... <laughs> He carved something in the table, and then he said that. Um, so uh, you are probably going to start our timer here. We're going to begin the debate. I uh, let's just see how this goes. Absolutely, you know, so, absolutely. So uh, all right, let's are, do are it. you the one AC or am I the one AC? What does that mean? Who's going to make the the first affirmative constructive argument? Um, I guess I will. I okay. can do it. Okay, and then yeah. from that point on, it'll basically just be cross X. Uh, sure. I, I don't speak. Uh, what? Didn't I don't you know. say you did debate at one point? No. Oh, okay. I've never, I've never okay. done debate. So well, I don't anyway, know the rules. Cross-examination. We're just going to go back and forth. We're I'm not going to have any structure to it. You're yeah. going to open, and and it's going to be the Queen's Gambit. So you'll open. Yeah, I'll, We have 10 I'll, minutes on the timer. Yeah, I'll open with something. Okay. I don't know what it'll be. Can you phone a friend? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so before we get into this, David, we should probably say what we're going to debate. Yeah, I what? guess you're deciding that, right? Uh, no, you did. This is your idea. I'm I mean, I gave you a handful, a smattering, as you would say. We of, are going to debate uh, whether or not it was right mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. lawful to um, for Michael Servetus to be executed for Harris. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. famous event that everybody talks about. Servetus! Servetus! You know, um, very contentious. Lots of people talk about it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, David is going to take the position. I mean, my dad's name was Michael. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I won't tell you his uh, middle name, though. Okay. <laughs> Painfully close to Servetus? No, it's just because of the, the bank account thing. Oh, okay. It's a security question. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so I'm going to take uh, the position that it was uh, not right to for him to be executed. You're taking the negative. The negative. And oh, you're, you're taking be, it in an affirmative way. Yeah, and you will be taking the position that it was uh, right, lawful. Uh, what, what, how could you? That, that it was good. That was there's good nothing right. wrong with it, yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong with it, right. Okay. With that said. It now, was on fleek, it was, as the kids say. I've never heard that said uh, in reference to this debate. (laughs) Well, that's what we millennials do. All right. So that and eat avocado. With that said, now that the table is set, Mm -hmm. could you please uh, table set? All right. Hey, Siri, start a 10 minute timer. 10 minutes. 
starting now. So, David, I believe <clears throat> I have, I've, I believed this for a while. Um, I I believe that it was wrong for Michael. By the way, hi, David. You, uh, hi, Jim. How can I help you today? Very good. <laughs> it's weird already. Uh, I believe it was it was wrong for Michael Servetus to be executed. He was uh, burned at the stake, I believe, burned alive. I believe it was wrong for him to be executed for heresy uh, because uh, I believe that the in the New Covenant era that uh, the New Testament has given us um, a fairly, fairly clear um, uh, instruction as to how to deal with uh, heretics mm-hmm. uh, when we identify them. And um, um, that's why, in summary, that's why I believe that it was wrong to do that. Um, so you're saying, just but to clarify. Before, but before you say that, I have another question. I actually have a question for you. Can I, can I ask you a question? I'm happy to help in any way I can. Did your parents ever ask you to run away from home? I don't believe they did. Okay. Well, uh, with, that, uh, with that said, uh, <laughs> um, there's my opening volley. So my question to you would be, do you think that the there is still a death penalty for murder? Um, yes, I do believe that there is a death penalty for murder. Um, would you say that the church should be administering that death penalty? I am also jealous of all the people that haven't met you. <laughs> Could you repeat your question, sir? Absolutely, I can. Yeah. Uh, would you say that the the church was the is the is the group of people that should be administering execution for murder? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. So so uh, am I right to say that you're drawing some kind of a church state distinction where the church has been given instructions they should they should certainly mm-hmm. church discipline someone mm-hmm. who's who's committed murder, right? Uh, committed murder, yes. Okay. I do believe they should be disciplined for committing that that murder. And then also, obviously, you believe in in as you said, you believe in the death penalty for murder administered by presumably the government. Uh, yeah. The, okay. the death penalty for murder, if uh, the, the the government uh, or wherever you are living uh, decides that that is the appropriate punishment for that crime, then yes. And we currently live in a country that, for the most part, depending on the state we live in. Um, that penalty can be administered. Sure, sure. So I guess the question that I have is, you seem to be okay with uh, there being, the church being given certain tasks to do, like excommunication for certain sins, and the government being given uh, certain certain other kinds of punishments to administer for mm-hmm. those same sins. Okay. Why do you think that the government is not allowed to punish for the sin of preaching heresy? Um, well, because um, I don't think they should be allowed to do that because the the um, the solution to that problem I don't think requires it. Hmm. Like explicitly requires. It. I don't think it requires it. Why do you think that is? Be well, I don't know. You'd have to ask John. I think who wrote it. Who wrote what? Um, in the I think what I'm getting at is in the Epistles of John. Um, I'm thinking of the instruction that uh, if a heresy is found among you, you are to uh, exclude him from the body and turn him over to Satan. But isn't that what we're supposed to do if someone, uh, for example, commits uh, rank sexual sin or or murders? To to throw them out of the congregation. Right. Let the church discipline. Yeah, Yeah. I would would say that that's fair. So why does it negate the, the punishment for heresy but not the punishment for murder 
before I answer that, I just want to say that your inferiority complex is completely justified. I appreciate that. Sometimes, um, really in this debate, all I need you, sometimes what I, I, I need only what you can provide, mm-hmm. which is your absence. That's fair. I think actually a lot of people could provide that. Right. Okay. Um, so why am I saying, could you repeat your question? Why am I saying that the... That the government, uh, that, that, that because we have instructions on how to deal with murder, the state should still come in and punish. But when it comes to heresy, they should not. Well, remember, I said that the, the state can because they, you know, they, uh, they, they passed a law. Right. That they, they decided right. that, you, that you, they should do that. They, if they decide, because based on a number of different factors, I don't know all the factors that go into why a state should decide that a person should be put to death if they murder. Okay. But I do think there's clarity as to how they could come to a decision in regards to heretics. And I don't think they have enough justification to put a heretic to death. So I think they're different. So like murder and heresy, I think are, are, are two different sins. How so? They're both sins. Mm-hmm. Well, one is you're, you're killing somebody with an axe, and another is you're denying the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Both uh, heinous crimes. But um, one of them, we're given a direction as to how that should be dealt with. And, and the other, we're given a different direction as to how that should be is dealt the, with. Is the death penalty, do you mind me asking, is the death penalty given in the New Testament for murder? Well, remember, if I ever said anything to offend you, it was completely intentional. I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> you know, you probably look, you look like something that I could draw with my left hand. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> Which I also think should be high-fived with the cactus, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, because I, I prepared more with my insult, <laughs> you should also repeat uh, the question you just asked me. Is there, a, would you say that there's a new covenant directive to execute murderers? Not explicitly, no. I don't, I mean, I don't, if I'm going over my mental um, spreadsheet of sins that I know of that were committed and uh, an epistle writer gave direction, I don't think anyone murdered anybody. Sure. You know, like I, I remember there's some incest I, I mean, and some drunkenness. I don't think any, so I don't, I can't answer that for you. And right. I also think that it, I don't know why you are trying to compare and contrast murder with, with, with heresy. We could just talk about heresy and the directive, the clear directives we have and know how to deal with that. You know the, what I mean? The argument that I'm, I'm getting nervous that I have to answer for things that aren't explicitly stated in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know? They, they are they're in the old covenant. Well, but we're in the new covenant now. So that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at. Which Israel, is, the, the state of Israel is no longer around. I'm trying to understand if there's no new covenant directive for dealing with murder through capital punishment. Why is that okay? When your argument for dealing with heresy, there's also like like it seems like you're making an argument from silence. Uh, on, on, oh, no, I'm thinking Romans 13. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm emphasizing the law of the land. You know, you kind of have to submit to the law of the land. Well, that was the law of the land in Geneva. So why was it wrong? Right. Well, it's the law of the land, but I think it was wrong because they have to explicitly deny or ignore something that's really clear uh, in the New Testament, at least. I think maybe you that's don't. Like, you know, I think that's problematic. You know, I mean, like if, if, if Geneva passes that law, I'm not, they're going to pass the law. Right. But they, it, when they're signing their name on that law, they have to say this passage in scripture, we have to ignore it. We have to... I don't think they have to ignore it. They're simply... They have to. They're doing more than what it says. They're doing what it right. says. The yeah. person was first kicked out of the church and yeah. then executed by the yeah. government. 
Yeah. Which is well, exactly, exactly yeah. what would happen in the case of murder. Well, the, I would, the person would be kicked out of the church yeah. and then executed. Well, I would agree with you, but then we both would have to be wrong. I, I, got, I got to be a character here, and you're talking. You're using your David voice. By I know the way. it's it's rough. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think that if we've learned anything here today, it's that I can't keep the friendly tech support voice going. Yeah. Well, I'll, here's what here, that's what you know. Here's what I know. If laughter is the best medicine, you're hurting the world. <laughs> I don't think that one made sense. Okay. Well, other than you being uh, born on a highway, because that's where most accidents happen. <laughs> um. Uh, Actually, it's parking lots. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Um, so where to go from here? I mean, I don't know how, what else I can say, really. Other, I mean, yes, I didn't really put too much effort into defending my position, but I don't think I have to do too much because I think it's clear what we're supposed to do. Now, I'm not here to say that you can't do anything um, determined by good necessary consequence. I'm not saying that. Sure. Um, but, you know... I don't think you needed to execute a heretic. Perhaps prison would have been a better, um, given given the instructions. Because you're not told to prison. Prison is also not in the new covenant as a punishment for heresy, right? Well, well but I'm also here. But remember, I'm not saying you have to stop and do nothing with what to do with this guy. But what I can say is you have to uh, exclude him from the um, the body and hand him over to Satan. That seems to indicate that you are no longer handling this person. You are no longer um, administering the, the, a punishment to him. Of course. Satan the, is. The church is... And that could be the state. You know, it could be. It could be the state. Oh, and we're up. And we're up. So, hey, Siri, stop. I think this worked better than last time. <laughs> I think so, too. I am... I am. But we had some breakdowns there. I know. I got frustrated because I felt like I can't just talk. Because <laughs> you wanted to play, well, didn't you? Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you wanted to pull out your sword. No, I didn't want to pull out my sword. I just wanted to be able to talk without having to think about how to say it with a ridiculously friendly tone. Yes. In which, well, which the David, moral, again, the moral of the story you is... You were entirely successful with that for probably half the debate. So. Yeah, well... Anyways. I was trying. It's... I mean, it's still my voice. That's part of the problem. You know, this is... This could be a reoccurring segment, David. Mm, we could do mm-hmm, this again. Mm-hmm. It's like debates with Jim and David. That's true. And then we'll get better at it as time goes on. So Maybe. Be, you know, so or we'll be, get progressively worse that's the other option <laughs> well if this is the bar that we have set for future segments mm-hmm. boy it's pretty low <laughs> i had a uh, i had a choir director who said that people say practice makes perfect yeah but they're wrong okay practice makes permanent perfect practice makes perfect right right yeah that's good mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. um i think we should move on with the oh, show i just want to talk about that thing though <laughs> Well, I mean, listener uh, feedback will be very interesting on this one. It's good because you threw some things at me that I haven't heard before. So mm, it's stretching, mm. right? Uh, it was challenged. It was very much challenged. Well, good. Yeah. I uh, notice what I didn't say. What's the what anything about? We, we didn't even talk once about Calvin. I'm not yeah, one of those jokers yeah. that says Calvin murdered Servetus. No, I mean, I'm not he, one of those guys. He, he pleaded with with Servetus right. the night of his execution for him to to recant, yeah. and also sent a letter to Servetus saying, please don't come here. We will kill you. Yeah. And also said that, not uh, we, not we, that he should be punished. Well, yeah, that, that Geneva, that Genevan authorities would right. kill him. Right. And then also, uh, he argued vehemently that Servetus should be put to death in a more humane, humane and uh, uh, pleasant way than burning to death, which is a relative term. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not one of those guys, mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I do believe the, 
what I've thought about this or the position that I have loosely held, um, because I haven't really looked into this and kind of nailed down. I mean, of all the things I wanted to get right in mm-hmm. my theology, this has been low on the list. You know, it's it's kind of low because you know I mean? we're not in a spot where it matters right now. Mm-hmm. In the sense that yeah. you're never going to be faced with that decision, yeah. and and neither am I. Not right. not in our lifetime, likely. But you know, as uh, you know, and as I know, if you get far enough in that debate, you get on some touchy issues, mm-hmm. and, which mm-hmm. people would be passionate to talk about, to think about, and to argue about. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah, definitely, definitely one of them. Especially yeah. when you tell the people that you don't vote. <laughs> well, that's which a, I advise not doing. Maybe we can debate that another time. <laughs> but uh, but maybe we should get into our show. Good luck editing that, by the way. Mm. Mm. So glad you have to do it. I just wanted to say, right. this is follow up on our argument, and it's not about the thing; it's about the the way that the argument went. And I just wanted to say, this is something. If you can help me with. I would be very appreciative because very frequently when I try to hmm, like the discussion that we were having centered around, you were saying that the new Testament says to do this. So we don't have to do what the old Testament says on this. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that. Well, so you said the, the, there were, all, there were all reasons. You need, you, you, you're, I think you're complicating it too much, which is something you do by the way. Oh, of course I do. I prefer simplicity. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. new Testament says, do this to the heretic. Right. Okay. End of day. Let's go have a beer and relax. You right. Know? And you so, know what I mean? So the, the discussion I was trying to have, to, I was trying to understand why you have this distinction mm-hmm. between, it says to do this for the heretic and it says to do this for some other civil crimes, but we also expect the state to come in and punish those other civil crimes. So the question I was trying to ask, yeah. I wasn't trying to prove a point. Yeah. I was trying to get at, well, why well, do you, you make this distinction here, but not here? Like, why do you say the state has to come in uh, in the case of theft, because there are New Testament commands against theft, but mm. but if somebody's a, per, uh, 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 a repeated theft, a thief, uh, they should be put out of the church as a matter of church discipline. Well, not necessarily, because you know, what if you live in a state that doesn't have that law? You know, well, what are you going to do? I'm saying they should be put out of the out of the church sure. yeah. because because of their repeated mm-hmm. re- repeated acts of thievery. Right. Um, so so that's that's yeah. how the church is instructed. The church shouldn't come in and say, "Oh, we're going to punish you. Oh, we're going, you know, we're we're going to take your property. We're going to make you repay. We're going to put mm-hmm. you in jail." Like the church can't do any of that because right. it hasn't been given the sword. We we agree with it. We right. agree with that. So so the the question that I was trying to ask is, yeah. why are you saying the the instructions to excommunicate someone for for certain sins that may be also civil offenses? Mm-hmm apply to these civil offenses, mm-hmm. but not to the civil offense of heresy. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not asking you to answer that question yeah. right now, but that's the question I was trying to ask. And I'm pretty sure that you took it as I was trying to prove that because we have uh, punishments for murder capital punishment for murder, we should also have it for heresy, which is not what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I was trying to understand why you thought that it was, it was a reasonable thing to say, these civil crimes, yes, we we do expect the government to punish for, and this civil crime, no, we don't. Even though your your re- rationale for why we don't is basically that the Bible tells us to do something specific with it, which tells us to do for those things too. Mm-hmm. So how do I how do I get better at that? How do I when I'm trying to understand your position better and I'm asking questions? How do I not come across as uh, Socratesing? Um, the thing people don't like about Socrateasing mm-hmm. is that the person is never really straightforward about what they're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just say, I want to understand your position. Just, yeah, just, I should just do that. state your intention. That's all you have to do. That just makes sense. State your intention because if you don't, people get 
they don't trust you and they think right. you're playing with them. Right. Which is what you yeah. do all the time with me. <laughs> with your emotions. It's literally like, I think it's part of your contract. <laughs> <laughs> the fine print that, uh, that you didn't read, but I, but I put in there. I guess this is where we start the show, right? I guess. <laughs> you want to start the show? Sure. The podcast you are about to hear contains the histrionic and problematic conversations of a stodgy Presbyterian and a casserole-loving Baptist. Their interactions are volatile at times and unpleasant most of the time. In many nations, this is considered a mild form of torture. We strongly advise you to stop this nonsense and go do something useful with your life. Otherwise, if you insist on listening to this mess, welcome to the lightest form of flogging. Thank you, Deep Voice Man. I also welcome you to the Lightest Form of Flogging podcast, episode 47. I am your emotionally intelligent, sort of, host, Jim Briggs, <laughs> and sitting across the room from me at a contractually negotiated 29 and a half feet is my co-host, David, who has never smiled. He told me that showing his teeth is a submission signal in primates. Whenever someone smiles at David, all he sees is a chimpanzee begging for its life. <laughs> Now, Thank as you. I was forming this, Thank you, Dwight <laughs> yes, as I was forming this, it occurred to me that I might have used that once already. So if I have, mm. I apologize, but I have used it in some more full form. <laughs> See, <laughs> I saw the complete, uh, the, the quote, I've, I'm aware of this quote, right. but I only saw the second half of it. I didn't, uh, I didn't get the first half of it. Yeah, I think, I think you're so right. I think you did funny. use the other half. Because yeah, I mean, Dwight says weird things. Mm, mm-hmm. So when you see, you know, Dwight Schrute says... When people smile, all I see is a chimpanzee begging for its life. That's mm-hmm, funny mm-hmm. enough. Yes. You know, because it's Dwight. Mm-hmm. But that added context made it so much better. And I immediately thought of you. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, I think that. Uh, <laughs> so on my, I have a list yeah. of these, these yes. intro things that we do. And uh, mine is in Apple Notes and I check them off as I do them. So right. I have a record of them and the ones that I haven't done are unchecked. So what are you trying to say, huh? I'm saying You're you should to change be more my organized. Life? Okay, thank you. I think you should do more better. Yeah, well, could you uh, say all that again? I want to get a pen and write all that down because I really value your opinion. Okay. You went right into the tech support. Okay, that's a very valid point, Jim. Um, <laughs> uh, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Okay, good. We have follow-up. Yes, uh, why don't you go ahead and start? Oh, I'm so excited for follow-up. Oh. It's been so long since we had a good follow-up mm. segment. How could you? Arguably, Casey arguably, Kasem. arguably, arguably, that's been never, so... I had never heard Casey Kasem <laughs> on the radio, <laughs> but then somebody pointed out that it was Shaggy. Yeah. And well, I just... You mean, you mean Casey Kasem, the subject of a bit we did two shows ago, a famous radio DJ. Yes. Was the voice of Shaggy. There. Exactly. Okay. Like, zoinks! Yeah. <laughs> now I know what his voice sounds like. You yeah. sounded nothing like his, his Shaggy voice, but well, he, right. does sound, he does have a fuller Granted, voice. In my defense, I wasn't impersonating Shaggy. Right, right. Well, I mean... Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah. But also, um, I'm also aware that I did really sound like Casey Kasem. Because <laughs> he's a, he, he's a yeah, very dis- You sounded close enough. Like when I listened to his radio stuff, yeah. you sounded close enough. Yeah. What, 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 what you can do if you can't replicate the voice is you just kind of replicate the, the, the rhythm and cadence. And mm-hmm. You get close enough. Hey, how are we? Yeah. <laughs> you uh, do that, <laughs> that voice very well in all the ways. So I can't com- quite compare to that. But I think people got the joke. The point of me in this show is to entertain the people. And I think we have accomplished that or frightened them. So, yes. So, you have an item of follow-up So, now here. you know. Now, Casey Kasem floods your mind and your thoughts and your memories now because he did Shaggy. Like uh, Zoinks? Yeah. And I think he actually, on that point, seriously, though, I think he's done a lot of voice work in huh, cartoons. Interesting. 
Yeah, I think I read that somewhere. I might be wrong, but I think he he provided his voice for a lot of different things that you'd be mm-hmm. surprised to learn. So hmm. kind of cool. Hmm. Really neat guy or interesting guy, I should say. I don't know him personally. So you had an item here. I do have an item. <laughs> the I while I was editing the last show, episode forty six, I thought to myself, if uh, I wonder if our listeners' patience has finally run out. <laughs> I have when that, they listen to I have la- that every time. <laughs> yes, um, I I am just not. I wasn't a fan of. We're honesty here. I just wasn't a fan of last show. I hmm. think we kind of lost our focus. Our main topic, I don't think, was very organized or focused. My fault. Um, the last twenty or thirty minutes was pretty good. Um, hmm. I really liked our discussion there. But I think, I think, you and I have arrived to a point in our show evolution where. We might be falling into just habits, you know, mm-hmm. and we're forgetting that, you know, people, people listen to the show every day. Someone's born who hasn't seen the Flintstones. It, true. <laughs> was that a Dwight thing? I don't know. No, that was from uh, back to work with Merlin Mann. And oh, good. So I'm glad we never had those into my serious points. Um, well, the, the, but the point, I, the point I, is I, that like every, every episode could be somebody's first. Like that's the, right. that's what the metaphor. Yeah. That's something that I, I'm trying to think about because we just, I think we're just falling into a habit of entertaining our most, uh, our long, our long, longest running listeners. Right. Right. And even they are probably like losing their patience with us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mean, <laughs> you mean people who've been listening for like three weeks, right? Cause yeah. that's the, that's the record. That's the record the record one guy did that and we had to pay him <laughs> i think the other problem with last week's episode was that it, it just, was i didn't like it I we just, did a double header and, and, and yeah. there was a lot of context from the immediate yeah. episode before that that we had just talked about mm-hmm. uh, i feel like you and i are prone to go deeper and deeper into a subject mm-hmm. and when we do that yeah and i thought it would be a good idea to do a related subject right after but i think next time if we have to do a double header I'm going to do a completely different subject. It worked last time we did it. We talked about mental models and the, the second yeah. subject flowed beautifully from the first. Yeah. I think that's what we're trying to replicate. Anyway, we shouldn't talk about this too much more because chances are we're a lot harder on this episode than other people were. Nobody said that they hated it. Well, also, and I, I, I hate it when people talk about how much, how bad the thing that they did was and they weren't joking. Like, like they aren't joking. No, like, it's, it's much more annoying when they are, when they're falsely modest about it. Oh no! I mean, mean? they're trying to the the joking that we do. We're not false modest. We're just like being silly. Yeah, we're being silly. But 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 if somebody likes that episode, this discussion that we're having right now is just really annoying. Oh no, it's not. Don't you hate it when like you liked something and then the person's like, "Oh no, I was really bad." I hate it when I think they're not being truthful. Mm, mm, mm. Like I'm I'm not going to turn away uh, a sincere thought Mm -hmm. by someone who truly thinks. Oh, I will. Uh, but I have turned away so many sincere thoughts. <laughs> Nevertheless, like it's my job. This might have a lot to do with the opening bit. Because <laughs> uh, that bit, I was mm-hmm, just thinking, mm-hmm. the, uh, Matt the, Matt Chan- the Matt Chandler bit, mm-hmm. that whole bit flowed out of me in about five minutes. That was so a weird mental image. easy to write. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That it's disturbing to me. <laughs> that skit came out of my head. Just, just it just came out like with no effort. <laughs> I, I just I, I did rewrite I, all the Chandler lines. Basically, you, you did, you did, you, you add some Chandler flourishes. But the basic concept, right, right. But we're not talking about if the if that bit was Chandler enough. No, mm-hmm, no, no. Mm-hmm. We're talking about how weird it was. Yes, <laughs> that, that that we're putting out a show 
that has Matt Chandler beating one of us up. Okay. <laughs> I still don't. That's, I've listened to it like three times now. I'm not sure who he actually beat up. I had a moment of clarity. It's mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? Mm. Is this, should we keep going down this road? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing is, but, uh, one but day. I, I just wanted to say all that. One day, Jim. Yes. All the, the podcast will stop. Right. All the episodes that we've released will be deleted and everything sad will become untrue. Wow. <laughs> David, when you say it that way. <laughs> that's the, that's the uh, Lord of the Rings. Samwise oh. Gamgee. Okay. I, from the book or the movie? I think both. I don't think that's from the movie, my friend. Everything sad will become untrue. Right. I don't think that's from the movie. He didn't say that at the end of Two Towers, did he? I think so. I think it's when they're if, talking about like, uh, oh, and tell, tell us the stories of Sam. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually curious if that was in there now. It's in the... Uh, oh, this is such a ridiculous segment. I'm okay with this because you're deleting I'm editing. Blah, 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 blah. Um, everything's sad and true. I can't figure out if it's from the movie or not. I'm seeing quotes on Goodreads. I'm not seeing anything on IMDb. So I'm leaning toward you may be right. But I first heard the quote from Tim Keller. So... <laughs> Is that of course you did, uh, but anyways, David, I take your point, mm. but I just wanted to say that because I think we need to get back to going meta on our stuff, <laughs> especially me, mm. um, or not, or the the bits will just keep getting weirder. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, part. That's partly do. That's uh, one of the reasons why we're not doing a bit today. So we just need to. I just need to kind of detox from myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we just need to get back on the game because I want that's not physically we possible. We want to grow right? this show, and in order to grow, we have to keep making it better. Uh, you could and die. I think last episode we kind of forgot that. Are you going to die? No. Okay. Well, someday. I don't know if I'll be burned at the stake, but <laughs> at least we'll be comforted to know that it was right and just to do so. Moving so, right along. Moving right <laughs> along. What do we got? Are our main time? To- oh no, no. We have one have more, more follow. We have point. one more point of follow up. Go ahead. I just wanted to say uh, I was listening to episode forty six today. Mm. while riding on a scooter and that's what made you fall (laughs) (laughs) it made me want to fall okay i fell later anyway uh i was thinking about how uh, you were talking about how i have this inferiority complex and you mentioned that earlier today in a mean way and i was thinking about how how early on for me knowing theology and scripture when I was a 22 year old reformed moron Mm. was kind of my it was what defined me yeah. And and well, that's what defines the 22-year-old reform moron. Yeah. Sure. And thinking about that now, like I I now have a career and a skill set that's valuable in that career. You I have do Linguini. things that are I have I have copious Linguini. Yeah. I do things that's from last episode listeners uh <laughs> who for whom this is your first Flintstones episode. Uh I like I have things about me that I think make me I guess worthwhile <laughs> like mm. Like, like there's, there's a point to David. David does things that are valuable mm. and, and useful in the world. Um, and I was thinking about how, if I didn't have that, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have been as quick to when something like Grudem's EFS thing or the, the smattering of EFS like moments, uh, that, that have hit us. I might've found those a lot more devastating and, I, and, or I might've pushed back against them. I might've like dug my heels in hard on EFS and, and continued being EFS or, mm. But like this idea of having something else, not that defines me, like, like I'm not trying to go like all uh, anti gospel centered here, but like the idea of having like, I'm not going to be a pastor now. I'm going to be a designer. 
So I'm okay with the fact that I'd be a really crappy pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. That's it's a little meta. It's, it's hard to follow, mm-hmm. but I gotcha. Well, if, if it was hard to follow, then you should restate it to me for the listeners. Uh, no. Okay. I can't do that. Okay. I wasn't really listening. <laughs> Jim tunes out during the follow-up <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't know I was supposed to. I thought you were, I didn't know you wanted to interact. Oh, no, I, I, I didn't. Uh, and then you tried to. And like you had, was... you, there's deep introspective uh, observations about your own psyche that you do from time to time. <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I can only go, go so far with you because I'm not you. That's right. All. That's what I mean. Do you think, here's a question, sure. follow-up question, follow-up on the follow-up. Oh, could you? Do you think that if you had something else readily at hand that you could really push yourself into like some sort of a career option. Like if, if marketing and sales had been more appealing to you at the time, do you think that would have made it easier for you to drop the pastor thing? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the kind of the point like that a strong, I'm making. Is, uh, strong motivator or, a, or something to fall back on. Not fall something back to, on. No, that's it though. Something to fall back on. I don't know like, if I want to use that language. It's just, just, I've been wanting to make a something like a, like two paths diverged in a yellow wood and I just took a different one, you know? It's me being Robert Frosty. But yeah, I got your point. I, yeah, but when your alternative is the woods, like I'm just yeah. going to like head into trees. <laughs> I'm going to wander into the dark wood for exactly. a while. Like, like, like it's a good thing that second path was there because otherwise I definitely would have taken that first yeah. one and who knows where that would have ended up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have the unfortunate um, uh, reality that I haven't really worked on developing any type of, well, what do you call them? Skills. <laughs> well, so, you seem really good at writing skits. Uh, so you, <laughs> <laughs> have you considered becoming a camp counselor in a, in a strange way all right kids we're going to do this new skit um russell moore is going to punch out al moeller what do you think <laughs> who wants to play al no um i'm kind of growing a mustache <laughs> okay Wait, do uh, either of them have no they're baptists they don't have facial hair never yeah, mind. none of them have facial hair they're like uh, native americans <laughs> <laughs> I just said that <clears throat> um <clears throat> huh <laughs> so uh, i think that's just because of the asian heritage Sure. Uh, uh, no, yeah, I'm like, that, I'm like that, being that, serious. That I think there's why. a genetic trait. That is why. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you for legitimizing that in a way. Um, so yeah, good point of follow up. Uh, well, you said it and it was just like this, 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 this weird thing that occurred to me that like, I've never, you're right. That's yeah. a thing. Well, I run just a like risk. White people can't jump just like, I mean, I'm not going to keep going into the stereotypes. <laughs> they're all valid and legitimate because genetics, like they're not all valid, but some um, of them are. This is my fault. I'm stopping this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> When I edit the show, I am free over here to do whatever I want because I right. know what to edit. Now that you're editing, oh, no, I, all that's going in. I have to be. I know. I have to be careful. So um, let's get into our main topic before I lose my mind. So what are we going to talk about today, David? This is a, a suggestion by you. You wanted to talk about this. Yes. This is on your mind. What are we going to talk about? Um, I have. I feel like over the last three months, largely due to this podcast. Mm. Uh, I've been thinking more intentionally about emotions. Yeah. Uh, and you've mentioned several times that you uh, struggle, that you struggle to understand the proper place for emotions in the Christian's life. You've said this uh, on episodes. Yeah, yes. And I'm coming, I'm coming into more clarity. Okay. I'm thinking as you, as you talk, David, I can do. So that. I thought we could talk about kind of our history with emotions and kind of where we're at with them now and how we think about them. This is surely a legitimate topic because, I mean, when you say it that way, we're just going to talk about emotions. Don't call me Shirley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shirley, you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Um, we, this seems like a pretty legitimate topic, right. isn't it? So well, it's, like, it's we're classic. Not just, we're not just going to talk about, you know, the happiness and sadness and, and excitedness. You know, we're not right. talking about this emotions. Is, this is not Pixar's movie. This seems to be, though, a big thing. 
This uh, is a very broad topic. A, very, well, no, a broad topic, yes, but a very serious one because mm-hmm. um, Christians who feel mm-hmm. have emotions have to deal with how they have to deal with this issue mm-hmm. eventually in their lives because well and even christians who don't feel like there are commands yeah. to feel in the bible and so you maybe you're coming at this from the other perspective where you mm-hmm. don't emote a lot but you're commanded to emote some well i think there's just immense practical value in talking about this so i just wanted to point that out oh yeah do you think we should do something else no <laughs> not live during show jim wants to change topic <laughs> That'll never happen. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, I, uh, you are probably the more passionate about this subject than me, but nevertheless, I. That's funny because I don't emote. <laughs> yeah, this is. <laughs> we'll get into that, David. Right. Uh, but uh, but as per usual, in thinking about this, I found a treasure trove of opinions and observations mm. about myself that I'm like, oh boy, I am dealing with that, aren't I? So you said that you grew up in the self-esteem era. Now, are you, you're I talking have. about there like the idea that like everybody gets a trophy, everybody wins or what? what no, not that, like? not that. That's that's kind of like a, a child of the self-esteem movement. Uh, I should clarify. So I, I say, or I believe that I grew up in the self-esteem era, which is really another way of saying I should be specific about this. This was a public school thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not excluding homeschooled people, but like where I heard this was in school mm-hmm. all the time from first grade until 12th grade. Developing your self-esteem was like the primary mode of achieving happiness. Mm-hmm. And it was just over and over and over again. And as I've kind of stepped away from that and kind of looked at it from 30,000 feet above, um, it seemed to, I think that kind of started in the 80s, I think, like the 70s and 80s, where self-esteem became like a primary motivator for developing children's emotional character. I, I wouldn't know. I wasn't alive until 2004. <laughs> um, so, so that's why I say that. Right. And, and that, I think, is like, when I think about it, I think that's like really the only emotional training I've ever really had. Mm-hmm. Because that was the only thing. It was self-esteem. And it was said so many times, I really forgot and lost the true meaning of it. Hmm. So, I mean... Oh, like the word itself was used. The, yeah, the phrase was just over and over and over again. If you do... This happens a lot with, with words or concepts that, that are important. Mm-hmm. When you kind of fail to uh, qualify them or define them or remind people what they mean or why it's important, mm-hmm. you, that, you, that your hearer will lose that mm-hmm. and kind of just kind of fall and... and and just kind of get lost in the weeds. Mm-hmm. I think that was me. I, I wasn't. Act- if you put a, put a gun to my head at the time, I couldn't tell you how to improve my self esteem. Really, you just knew that it was important, and you felt crummy because you yes. didn't have good self esteem, and it didn't work because right. the singular focus of improving my self esteem is just it's just it's just woefully inadequate. There is so much more to the human development of the human psyche mm-hmm. in terms of emotions than just improving your self esteem, and that just hurt me. Like it just it just was it crazy hurt me. Or as the Bostonians say, it wicked hurt me. <laughs> you shouldn't do that again. I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> as someone from the East Coast, I'm asking you, please don't do that again. <laughs> don't, um, don't, Jim. I know people. I'll send them to you. Yeah, this is an interesting thing when it comes to... This is some, one of the things that I'm least looking forward to when it comes to like the idea of raising or educating children. Uh, mm. And it's that like everybody feels like... This is something I've noticed. Like Public schools seem to seem to like rotate through a series of like meta messages that they want to tell kids about themselves. But mm. kids, when they're told them too early, when they're told to think how to think about themselves too early, yeah. they spend a lot of their time thinking about the concept of thinking them, uh, about themselves that way. 
And they like, when you tell them that like, like there's this new thing in schools that I've heard about where they're trying to teach kids, which I think this is a great mental model yeah. that like you're learning, like you shouldn't be measuring yourself by how well you're doing. You mm. should be measuring yourself by whether or not you're improving. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Like, yeah. like it's not important that, that you, that you're good at a thing. It's important that you're trying and that you're getting better. Yeah. But then kids will in, in response to that, if you start telling them that young, young enough, especially they start thinking about how, well, now I'm failing at thinking about myself, right? I'm yeah. failing to think of myself at the, the learning mentality. I think they call it something along those lines. I'm failing to think of my, of my, this in a learning mentality way. And so they spend all their time trying to think in the trying, trying to think about thinking about thinking the right way. Like it just goes one level more meta. Yeah. And then the schools have to respond to that. And, but the, the, and it is, it's also the case that like yeah. humans do this too. Um, so, so for you, you're saying that like your, you were told that self-esteem is really important, but whether, whether or not that was defined for you, you at some point lost hold of that definition. Yeah. You know, and uh, some of it, I, I, I'm remembering a little bit of frustration too, because when someone failed or when I failed, a child failed, anybody failed, one of the first things, diagnostically speaking, mm-hmm. that was asked was, well, boy, I guess you just don't have enough self-esteem there, kiddo. <laughs> or, or what happened to your self-esteem? Or that person has low self-esteem because that, they went and got drunk with their friends. That's, you know? that's the other side of I this. I struggled with that. I'm like, well, maybe that's true, but, but is it more complicated than that? Is it that simple? Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and also, I want to say this. To anticipate a possible objection by our listeners, I'm. This is my fault because I mentioned public school. You mm-hmm. just kind of took that baton and ran with it. Mm-hmm. There are certainly uh, psychological issues that can occur with homeschoolers. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I think you've mentioned that. But, <laughs> but but that's an interesting thing too because that yeah. that kind of zeitgeist of like oh we're going to be all about self esteem. Sure that that floods through public schools or homeschools, public schools, private schools. Yeah, like, it's, like it's everywhere. a popular culture thing. It's, I mean, it's pop psychology. Is yeah, what yeah, it is. it's what it is. Um, but that's the other thing that, that you just brought up is like it, the teachers sound like they weren't necessarily handing it correctly. Like, like you can't beat up on a kid for not having good self-esteem and expect that to work. Yeah. But if the teacher, if the concept wasn't clear with the teacher, then like it doesn't really matter what the mandate from the man was like the teachers are still going to teach in the same way that they're teaching. Mm-hmm. They're just going to use your lingo. True. Yeah. Uh, and again, with, with parents too, like the, even if a church says, Oh, we need to focus on, which I don't think churches should say we need to focus on self-esteem. <laughs> Actually, why don't we talk about that? Do you think that if that had been done correctly, that would have been a helpful thing? You mean with schools or church? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, 42. That's the answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do this thing where you ask this or that questions. And I want to say both, but I just say yes. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what you just referred to. Either, either one. I, I, I okay. was referring to schools, but also sure churches. Talking with you is fun sometimes. <laughs> That's what they say. Um, most of my childhood was spent. Um, well, here, let me just say this. I, I, I grew up in Lutheran in a Lutheran church, but I don't really count that. Not for funny reformed reasons, <laughs> but just because it wasn't, I wasn't that involved and I don't really remember much of it. It wasn't that impactful on me. Right. Um, I converted in 2001 and that's when my church life really started. Mm-hmm. And in those early churches, I never really was taught to properly think about how to emotionally develop mm-hmm. or how to approach emotions, try and bring this back to our original topic. Um, the only training I got was for like, I guess from school and mm-hmm. pop culture and mm-hmm. the circles I was in, you know, just, you know, to be emotionally happy or to achieve emotional maturity, you just have to make sure you get that self-esteem thing right and you'll get it. But yeah, I, 
I certainly didn't improve at all from my church. Hmm. No, and none of my churches or the people, the pastors or the, the the people that I was friends with, the fellow Christians, no one ever talked about emotions. Mm-hmm. No one ever did. And uh, I just it was just I'm a late comer to this emotion thing. Hmm. You know, uh, so there you go. So what what do you think would be a person who has a healthy relationship with emotions? Like, what does that know. look like? I don't know if I can answer that. Mm. I know in theory, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure I know. Um, what What's the in theory? Like, how would you describe the in theory? Um, well, okay, the phrase emotional intelligence. I'm not asking mind. you to like give me every possible example of everything that could happen to someone and how they respond to it. But just <laughs> generally speaking, should you be happy all the time? Should Is it okay to <laughs> well, be sad? Um, Stuff like that. Uh, so let's say you're a child. And, um, I'm a child. <laughs> You're a child, David. Thank um, you. Now, now we both did it. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. Narrate our jokes. I just love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you narrate the success of our jokes <laughs> or, or lack of, um, a child, something happens to a child that is, um, a, a negative life experience. Mm-hmm. And let's just say it's, it's, it's a strongly negative experience that could have an, a large impact on this child. The child is a child, a person who hasn't really experienced a much of life to kind of know how to deal with this problem. Right. And um, if, that, if, if, this, if that child is not properly coached or metaphorically handheld through this trial. Or literally, yeah. Yeah, or literally, um, then I think some psychological damage has damage has happened to this child, and some things become normalized. Some internal psychological processes, process I, is that the processorumabus? Okay, <laughs> become I normalized. Took a semester of Latin, and to not to overcomplicate this, but to bring in the concept of compounding interest, the mental model of compounding interest. Mm-hmm. Sometimes negative experiences can compound on one another, mm-hmm. and over time, if a, if a child is not properly coached through emotionally how to react to something, how to have perspective on mm-hmm. something, how to uh, compartmentalize in a proper way, that stuff will compound mm-hmm. and will hurt the emotional development of a child. And, there, and it becomes, that's just a it becomes, layman's way of me going through that. So uh, if that's awful, I'm sorry. <laughs> so if, if they, if they react negatively to a thing, it and becomes are not like, and are not, and I'm, not to say that, it's wrong for a person to react negatively to well, a negative experience. So what I mean by negatively is like wrongly, like, like in a yeah. way that is not beneficial to themselves yeah. or, other, yeah. themselves so let's, or let's, others. Let's talk child, little Johnny and how we can handle that better next time. Right. If that's not there, then emotional damage occurs. And, and damage isn't a word that I would necessarily use okay. because it, it happens outside of you. Like it's a thing that's happening to you. And we'll get into these models that I have in the, in the notes here in a second. I would, well, I would be quicker to say, that maybe it's it's creating a pattern of acceptable behavior and and thoughts like it's, okay that's fine uh, that's fine it's it's like practicing something bad mm-hmm. and the the more that you practice it exactly the more it becomes a habit the more yeah. that you you get good at it but you're still the one who's practicing it yeah like nobody nobody says that uh, that something from without you made you good at something that you've practiced a lot or me me anyway. So why, so don't, why don't we get into those okay. mental models or the not mental models? Well, yeah, mental so, models surrounding emotions. So yeah, so the compounding nature of the problems will make it harder for you to come to emotional maturity, right? And easier for you to stay a child. Yeah, and which is basically me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I, believe, I, said I you. believe this yeah. about myself that I was not properly emotionally um, helped mm. uh, through my youth 
And I think that has made me an emotionally unintelligent person for much of my adult life. Do you think that has to do... Because I, I think that it's proper for men and women to handle emotions differently to some mm-hmm. degree. That, that, that women are more impacted by it and that that's not necessarily always a bad thing. Do you think that uh, growing up essentially without a dad was part of what made it hard for you to... Uh, basically what caused you to not learn the right ways of dealing with emotion? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, that pro- probably if I were to put it on a, put on a list or put out a list of the most impactful things, mm. uh, that event, mm-hmm. um, I think hurt me the most. Mm. And without that guidance, um, stunted my emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, you're right. I didn't expect you to say that. So I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little disarmed here. Should I have used my friendly voice? <laughs> um, Jim, why are you so emotionally broken because of your father? Tell me now and get on the couch. <laughs> Tell me about your mother, Jim. Anyways. So why don't we get into these models? Okay. Um, I thought they were maybe a helpful way for setting the table for some of our discussion. Um, Before you get into that, let me just mm-hmm. say, I think I'm using phrases like emotional intelligence and emotional development. Let me just say that my upbringing, I think, um, has put me squarely in one of these models that you're about to about to mention, in terms of how to handle emotions and and how they can kind of drive you rather than you drive them or some other model. Right. But yeah. So this is kind of interesting because um, I didn't mean this as the way that you interact with your emotions so much as I meant it as the way that you think about how to handle your emotions. Um. But let me get into them. Um, So one view is that, and I think this is probably by far the most popular view, the most popular way that people think about emotions, whether intentionally or subconsciously. Am I inadvertently the subject of this show? You seem to have become it. Mostly because I've been asking you questions. That wasn't on purpose? Okay. I just want to to make sure. (laughs) Uh, No, we'll get into my I'm sweating over here, okay? (laughs) So one view is that emotions are a thing that mostly happen to you. Uh, and we, we talked a little bit about this, that you're kind of a victim of these feelings. Yeah. They kind of come from within you in that you feel them inside, but they also come from without you in the sense that you don't really have control over what you feel. So really the focus is now that these emotions have happened now, now what do I do? Right. So the fact that I got this angry when I was, you know, uh, somebody pulled out in front of me in traffic, that's not something I really have control over. What I have control over is how I respond. Like I'm really angry right now, but do I give him the finger? Do I, uh, you know, plow through his car? Like, like so much snow (laughs) in January. Um, Someone burns your mistake and you're kind of, you know, you're PO'd about it. Right. Uh, (laughs) Or, or again, like, like you have depression. Depression is a thing that happens to you or you have, um, so yeah, there's a very particular way of thinking about emotions. Right. And like, I couldn't help that I was happy at that thing that I probably shouldn't be happy at. Yeah. But I have to decide whether or not I'm going to do good things or bad things as a result of that. So it puts emotions are just things you react to. Right. It puts you in the passenger seat of a car driven by emotion and mostly lets you yell at all the people and warn them not to get run over. So basically me in my 60s, I can just picture it now. <laughs> or 70s. So yeah. it's like it's like you have very little control about the feelings, but you do have some control over whether or not you 
give in to them would be language mm-hmm. maybe that people would use when they okay. hold this view. So that's one model. Uh, another view, I mean, I guess another view on top of that is that your emotions make you do things too and you don't have control over that either. That's, yeah, that's an extreme. Right. Yeah. But, I, and I don't think you find that very it's much not in always Christian that. circles, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, there are people yeah. who are like, well, we're just animals and, you know. Right. Um, the logical conclusion, the extreme logical conclusion of a view like that. Right. Uh, so another less common view, I think, is that you can control your emotions, that you can just tell yourself yeah. to stop being sad and you will. And, and then if you yeah. don't, you're just weak willed mm. <laughs> like you. You're just not trying hard enough. You, the reason you're sad still like it's OK to be sad when you're when when you know when when someone important to you dies. But you should stop after a time and move on. And if you don't, then you're just weak willed. You need to try harder. Yeah. Uh, there's something wrong with you. Um, you seem to have described stereotypes that come to mind. Not you're accusing people. Well, what I'm saying is like, you've kind of described the stereotypical millennial in mm-hmm. the previous model. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like you, you are, you are describing my grandfather. <laughs> yeah. Like boomers <laughs> and up. Yeah. Yeah. You are describing an older generation that tends to uh, relate to emotions in this way. You, know, you just got to buck up kid and deal with it. Because if you don't, you're too weak mm-hmm. and that's an extreme. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think popular, popularly speaking, those two views, I think rise to the top, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but ironically in this view, like I feel like most people wouldn't say that you can just start feeling a feeling like they would want to say that you can stop like, okay, it's time for me to be angry now. Click. Exactly. Exactly. I think there are people who would certainly say that too. True. Um, You're saying more about the, how to how to deal once the emotions are there? Like, yeah, you can just stop being angry. Like, yeah. just stop. Like, like go full Vulcan. Yeah. Stop being ang- anxious. Right. Right now. Go. Which, I mean, <laughs> and to be fair, this is a view that seems to have some support in the Bible. Like, we are commanded to feel certain things. And you would think... Yeah, do not be anxious. Right. And you yeah. would think that if emotions are a thing that happens entirely outside of you, that those commands would just be silly. That's like, mm-hmm. uh, be rained on. <laughs> <laughs> like like have rain above you but don't go chase the rain yes. just make it happen to you yes lord <laughs> right and obviously like god's commands are things that we can never follow perfectly but god hasn't given us commands that we get to say to him i had no control over that one yeah yeah you definitely don't get to say that right but you also don't get to just oh okay don't be anxious boom Okay, I'll decide not to be anxious right now, and now I feel better. Yeah, so that's I, also no, that's also true. I've kind of, I think, within maybe even just the last six months, I think I've been doing this for a long time. The second the, model, the third model that I'm about oh, to describe. Oh, right, sorry, uh, <laughs> you had no way of knowing that it was coming. Um, oh, uh, the second model. I'm sorry. This model just puts you in the driver's seat. Like you're just in the driver's yeah. seat. The emotions yeah. are in there with you. They're screaming in the back seat, and you just need to yell at them to quiet down. Right. Um. So this third model is one that I feel like I've been enacting for a while, but that I didn't really, I couldn't articulate until fairly recently. Okay. And I think that emotions are more like a train. So the, 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 the emotions are a train. They're moving. They're going to go straight along the tracks and then they're just going to follow the tracks. Like the conductor can't steer the train. Like, like he doesn't, he doesn't have the ability. He might be able to stop it. You might be able to, to slowly bring your emotions to a stop. Um, but following along with you in this metaphor, a train is a train. You can't just stop it, right? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, it'll slow to a stop or, or that sort of thing. Okay. But but yeah, I mean, it, like you, 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 what you certainly can't do is 
on a turn on a dime unless the tracks turned on a dime. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so, but what you do have control of is the tracks. Okay. And building new tracks out a mile ahead. That's the way that you have. That's the way that you primarily exercise control over your emotions. So like we building track might be the company that you keep. It might be uh, the thoughts that you choose to dwell on. It might be, but the beliefs that you hold, it might be as simple as getting enough or not getting enough sleep. Um, the, uh, that, and also the emotions that you're okay to let run that, that you just decide I'm going, I'm going to let this go. It's okay to feel, you mean it's okay to feel this or yeah, it's okay to feel this and it's okay. Even like when you act on an emotion that you shouldn't act on, uh, either because it's an improper emotion or a, a proper emotion at an improper time. Yeah. Um, so, so like what you can do is lay track a mile down, but when you're actively running people over, like, like when the train is just plowing through a city because you yeah. laid tracks through, you know, main street, uh, you don't have a lot of control. You are kind of in this stuck spot where like you can stop, yeah. but, but it's going to be hard. It's hard to stop. A it's going to be slow, but you are the one who put the tracks through there. So you're still responsible for okay, it. I gotcha. But it was a thing that maybe you kind of set yourself up for a few weeks ago yeah. or a few months ago or a few years ago. Right. Um, and so the, the effects of our decisions, like laying new track, like if, if you see like, oh man, I, I'm really angry at my wife and kids right now. Like if you see that happening in the moment, yeah. laying new track for, for years from now, you still need to do that, yeah. but it might not necessarily affect whether or not you're running people over right now. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. so I would want to balance this with the first view that like you do have control over the actions that you take when, when you have these emotions. Yeah. And I think that taking wrong actions because of wrong emotions only builds further track. Like we were saying, compounding interest. Yeah. Um, but I feel like a lot of people treat emotions as like a thing that you just have to get better at dealing with in the moment. Yeah. And I think that they're going to happen. You don't know when they're going to happen. You don't know how strong they're going to be. And when, when, when they do happen, you're just like, you just have to ride it out. Yeah. And it's just a question of like, is that your fault or not? Like, that's what everybody's wrestling with is like, when they do happen, is that your fault? Like, and I think that the long view is, is the thing that maybe, and probably other people have thought of this too, but I feel like that's the thing that I would bring to this table and say, you know, you tend to get angry because you spend a lot of time thinking about how dumb other people are and how mm-hmm. smart you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you spend a lot of time, you know, Absolutely, yeah. thinking about how entitled you are, thinking about how yeah. much you deserve this thing. Or you, you, you were really, really, really uh, attached to this thing that you couldn't be sure was going to happen. So you shouldn't be surprised when it, when it went away. Right. And the reason you're angry is because you just attached yourself to it way too much over the last five weeks. Yeah. And it's not easy for you to just say, well, now I don't care about it. Like, wouldn't that be a great world where we just went, <laughs> oh, well, you know, whatever. Um, this yeah. thing that I've been dreaming of for weeks. Yeah. Eh, you know, whatever. This is like a emotional track setting kind of uh, phrase uh, that I just kind of came to mind. Uh, a concept that, if we're looking at this third view, it's a concept that I wish I learned earlier. Mm. That there are, like you mentioned, you mentioned in passing sleep. Mm-hmm. S- how you manage your sleep is a way to set track properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Things like that. It, it sounds silly, mm-hmm. but for someone like me, who was kind of late to the party on realizing that, oh, wow, there, there are actually things you can do beforehand 
that will affect how I feel in the future. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> sounds well, ridiculous. Know, that's, that's it not sounds how... ridiculous what I'm saying out loud right now, but I'm like, I wish I understood this earlier because I truly had no concern or put effort into setting a track mm-hmm. beforehand. It's just it, everything was in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a slave to emotions sometimes. And I couldn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how to manage it because all I knew was like, well, if I just manage my self esteem, that will help me be happy and more well adjusted as time goes on in my life. And I just, that failed me. Which honestly, I just want to yeah. say, like, rightly done, managing a biblical sense of self esteem, like this a, a non contra biblical uh, sense of self esteem. This is uh, the, the loving yourself concept that you hear about and you're like, what does that mean? Right. Is but, this connected to that? Um, I guess, no. I, what I'm trying to say is like, not treating yourself like dirt, like, like self a proper view of self, a proper view of self that, that while you are more sinful than you could have ever known. And while you are a piece of dirt, you're yeah. also a redeemed piece of dirt and God is yeah. working in you. And there are signs of grace yeah. and like having that balanced view. It prevents asceticism. And also just like for me, something when it comes to self-esteem, that's been really critical, which has nothing, has nothing to do with the ethical component. It's been more about like, I feel like I'm not good at anything mm. and I don't contribute to the world in any meaningful sense. So for me, like low learning self-esteem. to say, yeah, that's, that's what most that's people, low self-esteem, yeah. you could do that. You could do that with sin too, right? Like I, I just sin a lot. Well, that's low self-esteem, but it's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. But like having a right view of your own skills and, and how much you can help other people. Mm. And like, that's been critical for me. So I, I don't want to throw self-esteem under the bus entirely i think that most most yeah. most uses of it are just perversions and and maybe the term isn't helpful but there's this concept of like knowing what you're good at knowing that you can contribute knowing knowing your skill set knowing that you have a skill set something to offer right. and and not beating yourself up for not that when it's unnecessary yeah i certainly agree with that i do not want to de-emphasize self-esteem to the self-esteem to the point where it's saying it doesn't matter mm-hmm. it's really not saying that for me, it was that was really the only, the only thing, thing that I had. And I don't think the people trying to teach me self-esteem really knew how to do it. Mm. And also, I mean, I have kids, you know, I don't want them to have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I want them to have a, a proper uh, view of self. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, this is definitely important. Uh, so I don't mean to, to discount it, but um, but yeah. But so that was the only thing for you. And this, yeah, this I mean, idea of laying just, track, I wish there was more, you right. know, this how to emotionally mature. And I mean, even the phrase emotional intelligence, I only learned about like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this is a thing you can do. <laughs> I thought emotional intelligence was more about other people. So can you like define well, how you relate to yeah, yourself? It, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not uh, the, the, the best way I could say how I think about emotional intelligence is, is the ability for you to cope with um, emotional circumstances um, mm. in terms of how you would relate to people. Mm-hmm. Like if uh, like a, uh, I mean, yeah, this manifests with other people. Like if, 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 a, if a negative life event happens and you just handle it horribly and you're alone in the woods, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I mean, you have low emotional intelligence, but it's generally thought of in how you interact with people. So if you're in a group setting and someone says something to you and you completely misinterpret it and flip out mm-hmm. in front of everyone, you have low emotional intelligence. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a social thing. Mm-hmm. It's a social thing, but I think there is some aspect mm-hmm. of, of individual how I how I conduct myself emotionally and how I move forward emotionally is a, a a metric of my emotional intelligence. But yeah, it's it's a social thing. So there are two here 
I think there's there's two sides to this. One is like track for a hundred yards down, yeah. and one is like track for a mile down. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I consider it a kindness to my wife mm-hmm. if I make a point to not let myself get too hungry. Huh. You know those Snickers commercials? We're real we're real uh practical here. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just trying yeah. to like yeah, this I, is I this is like hundred yards down the track. Like, yeah, this is, like uh, if yeah. I have a snack at two PM, then at like five PM when when she's like making dinner or we're getting yeah. ready to go get dinner or whatever, like yeah. I'm just going to be a more pleasant person. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like I'm, I, we, 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 and, and like now I've gotten to the place where I can just say, you know what? I'm just hangry. I'm not upset with you. I just like feel general upsetness. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm taking it out on you and I'm sorry. Yeah. But like making a point to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a snack. I'm going yeah. to eat something. I'm going to make sure yeah. that I'm getting the calories I need. I'm not going to eat way too many carbs at lunch. I'm going to make sure to balance <laughs> that with fat. David is nuts. He just had, he, David, just like a slab of linguine, a slab of linguine uh, that makes for great <laughs> podcasting. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. These are the, the small uh, track laying uh, exercises. Or the sleeping thing, you know, the sleeping thing. Yeah. That, <laughs> I feel stupid for saying this, but like, I only like realized somewhere in my mid thirties that sleep is important. <laughs> this is the American dream, <laughs> but I, but no, I mean, this is, this is, this is real for me and hopefully it's real for some of the listeners, but I have been since I, for as long as I can remember the worst sleeper mm-hmm. I have ever heard of. I am awful at sleep. If it was a thing you could do, I would be ranked low <laughs> in the ability to do well it well. <laughs> I'm, I'm an awful sleeper. I wake and that's up. That's a one from the Russian judge. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's an Olympics reference. Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> I uh, I wake up a lot. It takes me around 45 minutes to an hour to sleep. To get to sleep, I mean, every night. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm tired. Yeah, I'm pretty much I, the same. It's just awful. I'm awful at sleeping. And I fall into it. This is an American thing, I think at least. That it's like it's like acceptable to sleep for uh, four to six hours a night. Mm-hmm. And it's just acceptable that you're a bad sleeper. And everyone is just always miserable about their sleep life. And that's the norm now. It's expected. Yep. And you're a freak if you can get eight hours of sleep. Yep. Um, and that's just the accepted thing. And, and I fell into that. And I didn't I failed to realize that how it's not a it's not a it's not a catch-all solution. If you sleep well, it doesn't mean your life is all of a sudden gonna be awesome. But it might be a lot better but if that was be the main problem. A lot better <laughs> yeah. if it if it's at least one of your problems. Because I mean, seriously, I listened to a guy, I'll make this quick. I listened to a guy on NPR. It was uh, on an all things considered, <laughs> I think. This guy who was a sleep expert, and he wrote a book on sleep that was published recently, and he was going through step by step on why it's awful for you health-wise, to be a bad sleeper, mm-hmm. to only get four hours of sleep or to have um, interrupted sleep. And you're not allowed to go through your REM cycles properly. You're not going into what's called deep sleep. Mm-hmm. You're just getting kind of bad sleep, surface-level sleep. And um, there are serious health consequences for a lifetime of bad sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, one of the ways it affects you is your mind. And if your mind is not rested, it's not going to function very well. And I just kind of failed to realize this because I thought everyone else was just like me. Well, I took some some steps in recent years, uh, more so lately, on how to really focus and bear down and get this sleep thing right. And I'm getting fairly decent seven to eight hours of sleep every night. And it's fairly decent quality sleep. I'm still waking up a little bit, but it has made a good difference Hmm. in my emotional health. 
mm-hmm. and my mental health and how I can conduct myself. And there's a lot of other things that you need to do in order to fix this um, to be emotionally stable, I guess. Uh, but uh, and it's not like if I get four hours of sleep, I'm emotionally unstable. That's not what I'm saying right. either. But these are small, practical, track laying, emotional track-laying things that I I wish I knew earlier. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I wonder what my life would be like if I concentrated on how I can work my trajectory to the extent that I can in terms of what's going to, how am I going to emotionally deal with this problem five years from now? You know, am I setting myself up for failure? I think I have been most of my life. I mean, that that is why you started this podcast. (laughs) I need help, David. I need to figure this out. Well, Jim first go to sleep. Okay. No, I mean, your lack of sleep was setting you up for failure, which is this podcast. And that's why we're doing this. Yes. Wow. I guess we'll have to stay damaged to keep the show entertaining. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> you can tell the, the, the status of my emotional health is directly related to what happens in the bit. <laughs> or the There's ad. a lot of violence. This there's week. A, Jim is there is someone gets in a fight or cries in every single bit. I do. <laughs> I need Freudian to look at, slip. I need to look at that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so some long-term things which I hadn't really thought about too much for this show. Compliment your wife on her suit making goes a long way emotionally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hi, Sarah. Really for me, I think the biggest one, this is in relation to depression and anxiety. I I just did a long tangent, didn't I? Go ahead. Oh no. I mean, we're, we're we're going everywhere. All right. Uh, Long-term ones. I know for me, not letting myself just think about how terrible I am for very long. That's a good start. Dan. Like, like I pretty much cut that kind of thinking like, Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a terrible employee. I don't, you know, that kind of thing. I just cut it off immediately because yeah. like, even if it is the case, I've learned that it doesn't take me to a good, like it, that's not how I'm going to get better. Like, even if, if you, it is the case, if you do that just for a few hours, right? You're in a bad spot. Yeah. You're going to be in a bad spot for a while. Yeah. And if you're making a habit out of this, like if Saturday is bad, you know, b- bad David day, <laughs> like, like Hold on, it's going to be, it's going to be months of recovery. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's, and it, it sounds like, I don't know. It sounds like it's passing the buck. It sounds like we're saying, Oh, like Christians who, who struggle with anger or, or, uh, non brain balance, brain chemical balance type mm-hmm. depression, like yeah. Christians who struggle with that. It's not really their fault. It's just past them thought, but no, it's it like the things that past David did to set me up for emotional failure are still my fault. Oh yeah. I have a list. Of all the things I've done. Oh, I thought you had a list of the ones. I was like, could no. you tell me? No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a list I won't never write down. <laughs> but just, you know, talk about it in front of hundreds of people on our podcast. You're welcome. Jeez. What am I doing? Um, and the same thing with anxiety, right? Like, like I remember mm-hmm. this was because... Sorry, I'm adjusting my chair. Yeah, it's your not chair just kind of went crazy. It was supposed there. to like lock into a place and now, now I'm like laying back and, and you are Freud and I am John Smith and <laughs> David, do you have do to this. lie down while we podcast? Okay. Um, no, with anxiety, like I used to, I can remember early on at my first like real jobby job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to, so, sometimes my, my boss and his boss would like go in and have a meeting. And like, that's part of what they know exactly what you're about to say. Like, that's what they did every Thursday. I think it was Mm -hmm. like, they would have this meeting and somebody else would usually be in there and like, not every time, but Mm -hmm. very frequently I'd be like, they're talking about me. (laughs) Somebody's going to come out. They're going to tell me this is just not working out. You're not good at this. We're going to fire you. (laughs) 
stupid. We're going to lay you off or, or we're going to demote you or like, what are you even doing here? Don't feel singled out. There have been times where if people look at me a certain <laughs> way, I, I invent a novel of what's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's another one. I yeah. can't let, I just don't let myself think of what other people are thinking about me. And I tell myself, How? I don't know if this is true or not, but I tell myself that like, I have no way of knowing what they're actually thinking. I could invent this whole narrative yeah. that's just completely made up and the chances of it being true are well, very slim. When you have a good sense of yourself, yes, you shut that down. But I mean, come on. No, I'm pretty good at not thinking about it now. Like this is one of those <laughs> cases where I, like Jim Briggs, decided not to care about something. Well, and yeah, I work I, very hard to not care about well, it. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's not on everything in my life. I don't know. I, I, I believe you, but I just, I get so... I get a smirk on my face whenever I hear someone say that line that is so often repeated and claimed, mostly online, I don't care what you think about me, or I don't care what people think about me. Hmm. I don't think that is true. There's a different media so skepticism there's, there's a difference about between, that. They are they are showing their cards that they do. When you say that, you don't have to say that in order to not care what people think about you. People who don't care what other people think don't like talk to people, you know, they're, <laughs> I mean, they just, they, they're, they're so emotionally secure people that they just kind of relax and they're just, they're <laughs> low key, you know? And I just, I get weirded out when people say that I'm, I, I believe you, but there's a difference but between you're saying in the minority, my friend, there's a difference between saying, I don't care what people think about me. And I immediately shut down what could become a train of thought, trying to mm-hmm. figure out what this person thinks of me. Okay. Like those, like I care what people think about me, but I also know that unless somebody says to me, I think way. this about you. Yeah. I don't really have a good way of knowing what they think about me. So whenever I want to theorize and like hypothesize and figure out like, like, like what they, what they might say to me, if I were to ask them what they think of me, like mm. I just don't like I, I stop. I, I, I can't well, go good. down that path because first of all, I know whatever I think will be way more negative than whatever they actually right. think. Well, that's a mark of good emotional maturity, but right I had there. to learn that. Like that yeah. was, like I yeah. said, I used to just like sit and like sweat during whenever my boss and his boss would have a meeting and I would just, I would just sit there and, and, and sweat. And, uh, and that's like, that's really setting yourself up to continue doing it. Right. Because you just spent like their meeting went an hour and you spent most of that hour, like pretending to work while worrying about whether or not they think that you work enough. (laughs) We're putting ourselves out there, but I think a lot of people can relate to this, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's called uh, in, in the business in the workplace. It's called imposter syndrome. It's very, very common. Yeah, that's you know, I wanted to talk to you about that eventually. That'd be a, something that we could, as I, I identify with that. I mm-hmm. feel that sometimes, uh, I and mean, that's a real thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Another, th- also a thing that is, or the the phrasing of it, or the articulation of that concept has become like recently, like blew up recently, fairly popular. Know? Yeah, 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 recently. We talked about it on the Tech Reformation in oh, the last few months. How'd that go? Any imposters on that show? Oh yeah, we're. I mean, we we stopped the podcast after Craig is, we Craig is faking his accent, isn't he? I knew <laughs> he's it. actually German. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to, in the time we have left here, in the short time we have left, I want to talk about a while we were talking something that occurred to me. I think I've had this thought sort of before, but it's kind of mm. more fleshed out now. First of all, I think that people, hmm, there are six hundred and thirteen commandments. Mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Yeah. Right. Um, let's say that if you add the New Testament to that, the New Testament is shorter. Let's say there's 1,400. 
You know, have, let's say there's three thousand six hundred and fifty. Keep, keep talking, but there's like a there's like a red light blinking in my brain right now. Just because just, of the numbers? No, no. Just I just have a You're you're nervous. Yes. Okay. Okay, what what you're about to do, I just let's say that there there are <laughs> beep, ten times as many beep. commands as there are days in the year. Let's let's just say that, right? People have this impression of sanctification, I think. In the back of their mind, not in the front of their mind, but in the back of their mind, in the front of the back of their mind that like when I discover a scenario, I should just get better at it. And like that should go away. Like that's how it's supposed to work. Like I'm, you know, if I discover a problem with anger, it shouldn't take me five years to really get to the place where maybe I'm not perfect, but like I'm good at this. But I think the simple fact of the matter is that like most of our sin isn't that simple. Most, most of our sin is not something that we like, cause like, let's say that you could take a day and resolve a sin. Well, in 10 years, you'd be perfect, right? Like, like that's just not how things work, but I feel like that's how we all kind of expect it to work. Like we all kind of expect that, like there's something wrong with me. If sanctification takes me a hundred years and I still don't get there. Okay. Does that sound, does that sound weird? Because this is maybe I'm just talking about how I've felt at least growing up. I don't know if that's the the a popular sentiment, but I kind of want to also see where you're going with this. Like, what is so? Then what is the so? Then what is the proper way of doing it? Then so, like, I I think that according to you, I think most sin, the way that we fight it is not just getting better at it in the moment. I think most sin, the way that we fight it, is basically this laying track way. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. And, and I think that most of the time, like, 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 like the depression and anxiety thing for me, those probably took like from the time I became aware that they were a problem to the time that I got to the place where now I feel I'm, I'm not perfect again. Like sometimes I do have depressed or anxious thoughts, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty good at shutting them down. Like, I don't know, four, four years, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I feel, I feel like that's not what people expect. Like most people, when they, when they find an area of sin in their life, they're expecting that like, oh, okay, now that I know about this, that's half the battle. Well, no, that was like 1% of the We kind of compartmentalize and isolate and narrow down the battle to just, well, I'm angry. I need to just work on the angry thing right now. Yeah. And, they, and then they just, they, they keep failing. They keep failing and they're just stuck in this loop of, of, uh, discouragement because they're not thinking long-term. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know? if we take this away from emotions, right? Like let's say that you are a career like thief, like that's kind of how you provided for your family is you're a con person, okay. right? Like, like, and you, you become a Christian and it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly that your line of work is not going to work. Like that's not going to be a Christian career. So you, you get a new set of skills and you, you start down a new path. Yeah. Now you're a, uh, a car salesman. Cause that seems like it would fit. Uh, <laughs> similar industries. <laughs> and so, but then you kind of discover that like, Oh, this con man thing that I've had going for all these years, like this idea of stealing from people or just using people. Mm-hmm. This is something that displays itself in a lot of little ways, like not, not as severe as conning an old lady out of all of her money, but in little ways, like this is how I relate to everyone. I only did that once by the way. <laughs> going. Or, or, you know, like, like all of this, all of this sin, like w- when we find the big, the 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 big ugly face of it frequently that's a tiny face relative to the glacier that is <laughs> that is resting yes. beneath the surface that is that is right there you nailed it and and with emotions i think it's the same way 
Like, like I, I mean, I think the emotions might even be the more obvious example of it. Like, it's more obvious to think that, yeah, it's going to take wait, you a while to wait, fight the anger. Did thing. you say glacier? Yeah. You meant iceberg. Sure. <laughs> I'm just helping you with your next week's follow up. Oh, is all. this a real thing? Is that a yeah. distinction? Yeah, that yeah, glaciers you said look like, 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 like uh, lava were, and magma. Were you trying to to bring up the image of the small iceberg? Or the the you can see a, a chunk of ice yeah, yeah, on yeah. the top of the sea, but and then below, below it there's a huge. Yeah, we're talking about icebergs. That's not all right. Sure. Fine. <laughs> you know what? They're all going to be gone in like ten years anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I never thought I'd make a global warming reference on this show. Certainly not this episode. <laughs> Yet here we are. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I followed the, the the picture here. So the. That, by the way, that was a global warming reference. I wasn't talking about my sanctification. I'm going to have no icebergs in 10 years. Yeah, in 10 years, you're going to be just in a bad place, David. Um, maybe. And I think maybe the more obvious example of this is like, I don't know, people, people, I feel like a lot of, a lot of Christians, and I think this comes partly with being a Calvinist, people realize that like, I don't even want to read my Bible. I don't even like, like, I don't want to pray. Like, I don't want to spend time with God each day. Like, I have to do that even though I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Duh. Like, 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 of <laughs> yeah. course, like, yeah. of course, that's the way that we are. Like, we, we used to be enemies of God and we've been saved. And like the, the epitome of our salvation is spending time with God. No wonder, like, it's going to take you a while to get to the place where you enjoy that because you used to hate him. You used to hate everything that he stood for. And like, of course, of course, fighting sin is going to be this battle of you killing parts of you that actually like the bad thing and dislike the good thing. So all of this has gotten me thinking about the idea of like the idea of worship mm-hmm. and the idea that the idea of the seeker sensitive church. Mm-hmm. Because I think that many of the things done in seeker sensitive churches and in even just evangelical churches that wouldn't consider themselves seeker sensitive, many of the things that are done with the music are done to evoke certain emotional reactions, right? Like, like, like it's a common saying like sound people. I've been a sound person before. And, and what I can tell you is if the bass isn't there, the feeling in the worship is off. Like when you bring in that base, it adds something to there. There's a visceral experience that people are more likely to get. Mm-hmm. Like frequently people will say worship was really good today. I really felt God. And it's because the bassist was there. He was on point and I turned him up. I, I certainly don't disagree that that's a motivation or the reality in a lot of churches. And I'm not, but, I'm not even saying this is the why only, they're doing them. Right. That shouldn't be the, I, I don't think that's the only reason why in a church that does has a music or that has a band. Right. I mean, it might just be that it just, it sounds really weird without a bass because mm-hmm. we're so used to music sounding a certain way. Right. And you know, it would be a distraction or it would be off putting or just the music wouldn't sound good. We're not putting excellence out there. I don't mean to, I don't mean to, these are real. yeah reasons that people would, okay. people would say okay. for it. And and I'm not saying that, that they're wrong. That's not what I want to get at at this gen, at this uh, juncture. She's listening to me. Hey, Siri, stop. I think one of us triggered it. Okay. Uh, I I don't want to get at at this. uh, I don't want to get at that at this juncture, but it is a reason that a lot of churches do do things the way that they do, like the fog machines and the lasers. Mm -hmm. Like those are the examples that everybody obviously turns to. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I was just thinking about how 
Like Christians who go to churches who do that seem to seem to get on the on ramp of having of loving church and loving worship a lot faster. Like they see then then they tackle any other sin in their life. Well, I mean, you might just be in a roundabout way pointing out the obvious now that I think about it. I probably am. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, well, that's exactly what the churches are trying to do. They're trying to make, you know, doing a Christian thing fun. Or not fun, but like... No, not fun, but... but visceral like, or feeling You can be happy while you do this. This doesn't have to joy, be a chore. Yeah. So they're trying to, uh, I don't know, essentially take the, the place of the the help of the Holy spirit. Right. You know, they're trying to like do it for the Holy spirit in a really fast and quick way so that we can just kind of, you know, get right to it. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, as I've realized this thing about emotions that like, like to develop when, when, when we are supposed to feel joy, feeling actual joy about that thing, not because the base made me feel that way. Mm -hmm. Like that is a, maybe decades long experience for somebody. I mean, mm-hmm. it's something that we never really perfect in this life. And yet I think of the majority of Christians who go to churches with lasers and fog machines, they feel that every week, as soon as they start coming, even if they're not regenerate. Yeah. And it seems like, it seems like it's a fog. I mean, it's uh, certainly false because it goes away. Right. And, and, but, yo- but it makes yo-yoing. you think that you have it. Yeah. 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 And I've, I've, I've been there. And I just, I wonder at how, I mean, obviously, like any church that does music, music can be beautiful, even if it's acapella psalms, right? So, yeah. like, there's always a chance. I've for heard that. them on YouTube; they're pretty cool. There, there's always a chance that you could fall into that, mm-hmm. even even going to a church without a fog machine and without lasers. But, like, I guess the question I I want to ask is like, what is the how do, how do you do that well? How do how how does a church say we want to make sure that people don't think they're saved or think that they love God and love worshiping Him? Because they love the music. How, how, do, how does one walk that line? I don't know. It's, I certainly don't have the answer, but they have to find a way to facilitate through the means that God has given them mm-hmm. a sense of satisfaction. Maybe that's what we're trying to, if we're trying to get at like a state of feeling. I, mean, not, I think there's a variety feeling. of feelings, right? Like, yeah. like you're supposed to feel anger at sin. You're supposed to feel yeah, anger at joy sin. at salvation. You're supposed to feel joy at God's just, uh, God's just wrath, right? Yeah. Like, like one thing the Psalms do that a lot of Christian worship songs don't do is they teach us to feel joy that God will come and judge the wicked. Like you don't see a lot of songs on CCLI right. uh, that, that do that. And that's just, that's just, that's the token example that everybody brings up. But like mm-hmm. there are emotions that we're supposed to feel. Um, and it seems like, it seems like all the, all the stuff that we add uh, in terms of the, the things like bass and fog and lasers, mm-hmm. all that stuff actually is just like, putting on a blindfold when you examine your soul to see if you love God or not. Yeah. Yeah. You mean you say it in such stark ways, but I think I'm forced to agree Hmm. because I think I've been, I know I've at least one church I was a part of that I think did that Hmm. and created a false sense of satisfaction that was fleeting. And when it was gone, I thought there was something wrong. Like, Oh no. Hmm. Um, I don't love God enough or I'm not feeling God right now or God doesn't feel like he did when I was at church, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I can follow you here. Mm. I'm not certainly not disagreeing with you. So that's kind of interesting to think about. 
Yeah. And I guess the question that a Christian who goes to a church that does any amount of that, yeah. or even, even a psalm singing, no instruments church needs to just ask like, am I in this because like, can I sit at home and sing uh, a song, maybe a psalm, maybe uh, just a song that has truth. Like, like why am I bored at, at hymns, even though they have richer theology? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I think you should just be singing psalms. And if you have an aversion to singing psalms, why do you have an aversion to the songs that God wrote? Like, like what is just you and your shoehorns? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm, it's hard for me to, I want to use examples that people can relate to, but at the same time, I think, I obviously think that you should be singing psalms. So this is a weird, well, I mean, you know, a weird water for me to navigate. Biggest uh, hot button issues in the church right now is exclusive psalmody. (laughs) So yeah, 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 people are talking about it everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Maybe after Les's uh, documentary comes out, James Mueller talks about it all the time. But asking yourself that question, like, am I in this because of the base, the fog machine, or because of Jesus? Check your heart, as they say. Yeah. Check yourself. Well, David, it, it seems like the answer to that has to be no. If, if what we're saying about emotions and how you have to lay track, the answer to that for all of us has to be no to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I uh, I didn't mean to shoehorn it. I thought maybe you would have more to say. Like I thought maybe we would get in an argument or or I something. Agree with you. What else, I know what do that's you want, the thing is you when you agree me? with me, you you have to like you have to play devil's advocate or something. I don't know. I don't do that very well. That's what threw me off last episode, by the way. What? That's what threw me off so much what? is I did not expect you to agree with me on the teacher thing. I thought this yeah. was going to be you. So I came like you loaded, <laughs> loaded and ready to like fight with you on this. And you, you just kept agreeing. With you me. knew I was moving towards that. I knew you were, but I didn't you realize know? how close, how closely you were, how close you were to it already. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that we're on the exact same page, but I thought you were still a long ways off. Well, you uh, took, you had a big part in facilitating a change in me. Yippee. Good for you. So, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, you presented uh, a paradigm to me that I over time adopted mm. and now I hold to it. And I mean, what, what, how, what, I don't know how to conduct this interview at this point because you just said something that I agree with. You no, know? you're right. I mean, that's, but <laughs> we're on a podcast, so I have to think of the listener here and be, but you I mean, come on. You know, this is, this is the hard part of the show for me. When we agree? No, picking oh. up on things you have in your mind, but don't tell me. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> no, I just didn't know that was, that's what you wanted from me. Uh, so. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I wanted from you. I just thought that I thought there would yeah. be conversation there. Yeah. Okay. And and then you just agreed. And I was well, like, well, now I feel inadequate. Me too. And uh, I feel like I failed you. Jim, and- I feel like, I feel like we're turning a page in this show where <laughs> we've talked about a lot of the things that we disagree about that yeah. are not theological yeah. or that are only adjacent to theology. Yeah. And now we keep bumping into things that we think we might disagree on. <laughs> But we actually agree on. <laughs> We're ready for fights and they're not coming. And Yeah. Uh, and now we have to figure out what the show is going to be. <laughs> That's right. This show did start off as not really an adversarial show, but a show built upon the fact that you and I are so different. Right. And now we seem to be accidentally finding the things that you and I are, are, are similar on. Yeah. So now we have to work extra hard at being, you know mean to each other next episode. Here's a question. Do you think that there is value in supplementing those emotions? Do you think so, that... So what do you mean? So like we're supposed to have the emotion of joy inspired by the gospel when we come to church, but we also have that emotion supplemented by other things in the service like uh, like the um, 
sorry, like, like the fog machine or the lasers or the bass or um, or the you know just the way the yeah, song sure, bounces okay. along. No on the bass, no on the fog machine, no on the lasers. Yes on the I think I'm going to guess here. Yes on the means that God has given us, such as uh, church family, going to church and being with your church family mm. as a family a community. The um, not trying to be sappy here, but the warmth that gives you sure that you are in um, that you are engaged in Congress with a like-minded believer who uh, is saved by the blood, just like you. And you can take solace and, and have feel warmth in that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I sound ridiculous, but I think I'm making a, I'm making sense. Um, I wasn't listening. That can be the supplement. I know. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I deserve that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think, but, but so yeah, that's what I, I think. Am I, am I, am I wrong? There? I don't know. I think there's actually, this is a weird thing, right? Yeah. Like Calvin talks about this when he talks about communion. Um, he points out, so this is coming from the no instruments perspective because Calvin held that, but he points out that the, we did away with most of the ceremonies, most of the, like all the stuff in the old yeah, covenant. Yeah. We did away with all of that. And, and in terms of like sacraments, in terms of things that represent yeah. God to us or represent our relationship with God to us, we have baptism when you have communion. Like, yeah. like God took away, Calvin would have said, he took away the instruments, he took away the incense, he took away everything. The feasts and then this and then that. And he did this because the new covenant revelation was so great that we don't need, mm-hmm. we don't need supplements. But he did give us two supplements. He gave us communion. He gave us baptism. And these are physical things that we get to see and touch and smell and taste um, that that testify of God's grace to us, that testify of of the truth and the truths in God's word to us. But music is another one of those. Like like even if you take the acapella stance that we should only that it should only be voices, that's still something that's not necessary. Like God is right. still not, not needed in order for you to receive right. Uh, the blessings that, that like you, you could just get. read the Psalms out loud, like like everybody could just read them and and well, have the beauty of the music be lost. But God seems to have said, no, I do want some almost external beauty yeah. to supplement this beauty that is not in the words themselves. I want that to supplement this. So I don't know, like like maybe there is something there. Like maybe maybe God is looking out for weak Christians and trying to give them something to feel. Before they before they start to mature and and love worship for the reasons that are purely yeah uh, spiritual. I think I might have gotten on the right track when I talked about you know the the the, the community aspect of church mm-hmm. can maybe provide that. But you also know me, and I've talked to you about this before. I'm like one of the few not explicitly not explicitly regular principle worship guy that could be just happy and fine in a really stripped down bare bones reform service, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if I was in, in, in a room that had, that was made of plywood, you know, <laughs> non-painted, I could, uh, uh, you know, be warm and filled by the proclamation of the gospel or mm-hmm. some, you know, truth of God that could just, you know, I could be satisfied with that, mm-hmm. you know? So that, that, that minimalist thing that I have might be kind of informing this, but, mm-hmm. But the warmth you would get from sitting under a preacher that is sticking to the text and, you know, not trying to woo you with uh, worldly uh, trappings or rhetoric or that satisfaction, like, wow, this is I'm getting what God 
intended for me mm-hmm. right now here in this church this feels really good mm-hmm. i want to think that that's okay and I to think, feel and think that you know it's like this is I God's think a lot of Christians have some have some degree of this. Like I, I, I yeah, we've all heard made, those sermons. I probably made immature Christians sound like they can't be moved by God's spirit at all through through the preaching of the word or through okay. through through just the words. Yeah, I think that they can, but I think that a lot can throw that off for us. Like True, yeah. like getting your family to church, uh, <laughs> you know, when you have kids, like that can make it so that you're just you're just not paying attention. Uh, when the word is preached, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and the 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 more mature you are, the easier it is to let those things go and to be True, yeah. in church. Yeah, yeah. This is it's a skill you develop <laughs> uh, that comes with maturity and time. In other so, words, sanctification. So I have one more question for you because okay. we have to wrap up here. Am what I you, doing better now? What are you doing? Well, I, I I think that was all me because I I disagreed with you. Uh, what are you doing Sunday night? Uh, Sunday night, th- this coming Sunday this night, coming Sunday I'm night. actually going to be flying home. Darn. Okay. Oh, is that's this... right. Are you going to be, you're going to be back next Friday? Yeah. Uh, next. I mean, you're going to be back to record next Tuesday. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. I have an idea okay. for a future episode, not this coming one, but the next one, which okay. is, this works out. Cause I want our listeners to do this too. Uh, mm-hmm. I want you to, you, you've said that you'd be fine in a church with plywood. There's yeah. a church here in Spokane that has an evening service. Primitive Baptist. They're not Primitive Baptist. They are <laughs> Dutch Reformed. Okay. So three forms of unity. Uh, they sing only psalms. Okay. They do have a piano. Piano. Uh, so it's not exactly to, like what I would to, be looking for. To provide the melodic direction, like how to... Yeah, it's not like it's not like the piano is like hooked up to a, a big amp and, you know, blasted No, what I mean, musical accompaniment in order to... Moon. So you can follow along the melody. So you're not just singing whatever melody you want. Yeah, I mean, supposedly that's the reason we have all the instruments, but... Um, okay. But yeah, so it's, it's kept very simple is all that I'm trying to say. Okay. The pastor leads the worship. Okay. I would like you to attend this church all in right. the evening all right. at some point, probably next Sunday. Is that okay? Are you doing anything next Sunday? I don't think so. I okay. I'll send you the info. Listeners at home, I'd like you to do the same thing. Also go to this church. No. Okay. Uh, what, what, go to a, a service like this? Yeah. Try to find in your okay. area. I'll post some links to like the Napark church finder, but try to find something that is a lot simpler than maybe you're used to. I mean, some, some of our listeners you are on my are, side here. You are bold. I think some this of them is, might like it. This David waking up this morning says, I'm going to reform our audience. I'm not going to reform us. I just, I'm going to, you and I are going to have them to church. You and I are going to have an episode where we talk about your experiences. And I think the listeners will okay. be listeners who are not familiar with that kind of a service will be more prepared. A lot of them have evening services. So I'm not okay. even asking you to not go to your church. I'm just saying, try something different. If you'd like, try okay. not to do it for the sake of the show. Like try to do it because you're going to church to be with God's people and it's just different God's people than you're used to. Mm-hmm. I would say the same to you. Like, like don't be sitting there thinking, Oh, this is what I'm going to say on the podcast because that's not good. I, uh, you know, um, but I, okay. every week I go to a church that I'm not, that, I, that that's not what I would look for if I were looking for a church. So I should go to at least one. Huh? I think it would be fun to discuss. I mean, a lot of this has been about what is, you know, a lot of our episodes have been about what is it like for David being a Presbyterian in a Baptist context. I'd like to ask what's it like for Jim being a Baptist in a Dutch reform context. And uh, so maybe after you go to church, you can write down all the things that you liked, all the things that you disliked, and we can talk about this. But don't do it in church because, come on, guys, we're there for God. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. I'll uh, strive to do that. This is going to be fun. Listeners have two weeks to do this. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, I don't know what we'll talk about next week, but okay. 
and, uh, then the week after that, I'm going to find the most rip-roaring, ribbon-dancing, charismatic, crazy church I could think of. I'm kidding, David. <laughs> Definitely not going. I would never do that. <laughs> That's not a thing that... Well, you wouldn't go to that, right? Like, you just you just and wouldn't... I want, and I want you to live podcast. Uh, Jim, I'm here live at the First uh, Assemblies of God Church. Uh, it's getting real weird. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm a little frightened, but uh, I'm going to stay to the end. Something just bit my ankle. Yeah, something just slipped past me, and I feel wet. Something uh, just moved past my leg. Yeah. Turn off all the garbage disposals on the detention floor. <laughs> it's a snake, though. Oh, yes. Uh, anyways. Okay. Well, uh, sounds like fun. And right. uh, let's end the show. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Won't someone save me from this podcast? Is it over or just dragging along? Will these two guys talk? This is what happens when you podcast with someone like me. Never mind. I'll find someone like you. Okay. I wish nothing but the best for you. Don't forget me. I beg. I will remember. Yes. I, I can't remember the rest. Was that a, somebody that you used to know? Probably not that song, but no, it was Adele. Okay. <laughs> you mean Lauren Daigle? Yes. I'm sorry. I got confused. Yeah. She's um, the Lauren. She's the Lauren Daigle of non-Christian music. <laughs> Um, that's never been said <laughs> <laughs> well now it has yeah now it has <laughs>